Hello, and welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm Nathan Besner, and joining me is Shane Lee. Hey, what's up? Jane Belcastro. Hello. And Jenner. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, was, sad. <laughs> <laughs> this week's uh, films are Always Be My Maybe, starring Randall Park and Ali Wong, a romantic comedy in which Park and Wong seem suited for one another but can't get it together, which I guess is all romantic comedies, uh, <laughs> so moving on. Uh, after that, we've got The Farewell, the story of Aquafina going back to China to see her dying grandmother, who doesn't actually know she's dying. Uh, but first, we're going to dip into Always Be My Maybe, a, an absolutely delightful film. Uh, whose pile was this on? Uh, it was on mine. Yeah. <laughs> mine? Yeah, no, uh, we, we had both seen it and both just adored it the first time that we saw it. So it was a very welcome revisitation in any case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I kind of avoided it because I, I knew it was big on social media. And uh, I knew there was a Keanu Reeves scene. But just the title kind of like sounds like a meme. And it kind of put me off to it, so I don't know. I just didn't really, I wasn't really interested in it. But uh, you know, I'm glad I watched it this time around. Yeah, Jess made me watch this. She's she was the one who brought it to my attention. She's trying to be, been get she's been trying to get me to watch this forever. It's a '90s style romantic comedy. It really is, isn't it? The music, everything about it is just very '90s. Yeah. I, I do remember um, Ali Wong and Randall Park were on Top Chef promoting the movie. Uh, Top Chef, of course, is hosted by Padma Lakshmi. I had no idea she was in the movie, too. <laughs> but uh, this was back right when it came out. So uh, I guess they were they were old friends or something in college, and they like did like improv or something together and stayed in touch. And apparently they went and wrote this movie together. So That's great. Kind of cool. And, and, of course, there were the, uh, the, the few lines throwing shade at Padma Lakshmi, which is kind of you know, <laughs> fun. Uh, I mean... The, there's a lot of amusing shade for famous people in this movie. Like, uh, I mean, Keanu Reeves as further evidence that dude is the best damn sport on the planet. Because um, they made him into a total douche canoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he stole his scenes handily. I, he, he was fantastic. I, I loved every moment he was he was up there. Um, and, and, I, and I loved reading up on uh, some of the background on this, where he had actually had suggestions of how to make him even more horrible that ended up going into the final script, as well as uh, Randall Park's uh, song from the end of the picture. Oh, <laughs> oh that was fantastic. That, that all, was. all of the, what, what's the name of the band? Hello Peril. Hello Peril. Hello, Peril. Anything that they did, I was I, there for. Yeah, the, the, those were the moments that really, really... Pun not intended, but unavoidable. Uh, really, really sang to me upon the repeat viewing. It's just how freaking good the writing for that band is. So I, I like that. Uh, so uh, Randall Park character had a poster of ha uh, Handsome Boy Modeling School in his bedroom, which is a band that our mutual friend E.K. Weaver turned me on to back in the day. Oh. And uh, one of the the sort of the it was sort of the brainchild of this guy named Dan the Automator. And apparently, he had a huge part in the music for this movie. So I don't know. I think Randall Park wrote the lyrics, but uh, Dan the Automator did the actual music. Oh, cool! Or, at least the Keanu, at least the Keanu Reeves song, maybe more, because I know Randall Park actually used to be like sort of a rapper too. So that might have been based on his old music. Who knows? Oh, he he did he did do rapping. Okay. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. He so. was. He he he's one of those guys that I I grow to. I, I'm getting at to the point between this and his MCU appearances. I just smile when I know he's going to be in something. Yeah. Um, 
he, he's uh, gr grown to a, into a very deeply agreeable presence in pretty much everything that I've seen him in. Uh, I need to go back and watch his fucking sitcom. Yeah, there I said it. I'm going to watch a fucking sitcom. It's a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> One of I'll watch days. it with you. I absolutely <laughs> he, he also, will. He also had a classic scene in The Office as Asian Jim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, something about there's some other meme about that with him having been Asian Jim in The Office means that he was something. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. I'd have to look it up, but I'm sure some well, of our listeners might know what I'm talking about. He also said, like, so when he did Asian Jim, that was like probably like a two hour shoot for him. And it was years and years ago, such a small part of his life. And people will, will yell Asian Jim at him on the street. And he forgot about it. He thought they were being racist, that Asian Jim was just some racist thing. Uh, I loved seeing Daniel Day Kim come around. I, I miss yeah. him. I miss him. But his... as an ass, I was like, oh, no, he's going to be a douche. He is. He's a total douche. But he did yeah. it so perfectly. He, yeah. he, he put on that, that nice voice. And yeah, I like that guy. I, I've liked him since Lost. And, uh, uh, he was one of the few things that I think uh, was one of the good things that came out of Lost. Yeah, I think he was my favorite character in Lost. Yeah. yeah. Him or again, Sa uh, Saeed? Uh, again, always a very solid presence. I, I, I am amused uh, uh, to note, having to just read over the uh, Wikipedia, that some of the... Uh, they had... Uh, Keanu Reeves had been uh, their dream casting for the, you know, actor douche uh, character... Some of the alternatives that they apparently had considered were Tony Leung, which would have been wow. something. Mark yeah. Dacascos, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and Paul Giamatti, which would have been a very, very different scene, but may have made uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the party game scene even more riveting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can see him uh, playing Russian roulette. <laughs> oh, or at least let's make this interesting <laughs> oh that game icebreaker my god I, we didn't yeah, get to see why you know uh, Marcus Randall Park's character was wearing lipstick but <laughs> we, 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 we can kind of fill in the blanks on we that can one. fill in that yeah. blank honestly I think it was probably better that way because he was really kind of getting the the uh, short end of the stick on all of those choices. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there, there's a fair bit of cringe in that whole sequence, but the cringe actually really works, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, just Jesus, Reeves does such ama an amazing job as such an asshole named Keanu Reeves. You, 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 gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta appreciate what an amazing, amazingly good dude he's got to be to put himself in that position in the first in the first place and a pretty good actor too because there's no way he is i mean everything by all accounts he is one of the nicest guys i can only yeah i can only imagine shooting those scenes must have been a blast like it <laughs> if they had any yeah. behind the scenes they, they must have been just you know laughing and just having a great time especially <laughs> with, with the, the three of them are all you know charming people yeah, and in the meantime, apparently he took some time out from shooting John Wick three just to, uh, to you know so kind of support the movie as much as anything else. So that that's that's just lovely. Just I mean talk talk about I I occasionally talk about you know actors playing uh, characters with enormous ego with no no ego as an actor. There's you know an extraordinary sort of meta layer to that uh, when the character with an enormous ego that you're playing with no ego has the same name as you and ostensibly fulfills the same societal role 
<laughs> um, do you think uh, do you think anybody other than Keanu Reeves can pull that off or has pulled it off? Because I can't think of anybody. I feel like somebody recently has also played themselves in a heightened way that was that was really funny, but no, I I it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. I, I agree. Feel, I, I, I feel mean, think like about. I mean, I think about actors turning up playing themselves in, in, in movies, and the ones that are coming to mind are completely useless examples, uh, <laughs> like, uh, like Bruce Willis playing Bruce Willis in Ocean's 12, which was an absolute fiasco, but must have been a great vacation for the cast. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it felt like you know, Bruce Willis's ego was impinging upon Bruce Willis playing Bruce Willis you know, in, in the movie. Uh, I, I don't know, I suppose Irene Cara in DC Cab had no ego, but that's because she had no lines either. It's just, oh, it's Irene Cara! It's Irene Cara! And then they gave her a lift in the cab. <laughs> well, you know, it's not a movie, but we've been watching Only Murders in the Building, and Sting actually does quite a good job of seeming kind of like a weird douche, too. I mean, he's not... You know, he is douchey. He's really mean to that dog. He was, I, he was really mean to the dog. <laughs> I've been wanting to see that show. I haven't gotten oh, watch it. into it. Yeah. Yet, watch though. it. That, that that is a delight. And the music, oh. amazing, absolutely the, amazing. The, the scoring and the thing is worth you know watching the entire program in its own right. But uh, but but, but we it digress. An it, yes. it is an absolute <laughs> yeah. delight, an absolute delight. But you know the the music in this movie was an absolute delight as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I well, loved it. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to mention the meal they ate during the Keanu Reeves scene real quick. Um, as crazy as that food is, I don't think it's that far from reality. Uh, I think it's actually inspired by, there's a restaurant in, in Chicago called Alinea, which I've actually had the privilege of eating at. Um, there's actually an episode about it on Netflix on the show Chef's Table about the chef Grant Ackett's. And the, the meal was probably 80% as weird as what you see in Always Be My Maybe. <laughs> and the meal, the real meal that I ate ends with helium balloons filled with sugar. Or, or helium balloons made of sugar. The balloon's made of sugar, and you're supposed to, you know, suck the helium out and then eat the rest of the balloon, and that's that's dessert. Munch can land. And, yeah. So we didn't have, um, we didn't wear headphones during the meal, but it was like very crazy and oh, strange. That, that, that was, was brilliant. Well, it, it actually reminds me of. Um, I, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, there's a show with uh, Richard Ayoade, uh, where he travels and goes and eats stuff. And uh, one of the things he did was go and eat at this restaurant with a tasting menu, and they were testing out different dishes. And one of them, which was so gross, they liquefied an olive inside of the outer membrane. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Spherical olives? That looks awesome. I guess. No, I don't know. (laughs) He he was, like, about to vomit. So, But then again, it might have just been for effect because, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I like uh I liked in the uh Chinese restaurant scene when uh the women started bringing Marcus extra food uh speaking of food um <laughs> I really really enjoyed that moment. Uh, I don't know why it stood out to me. Uh it was just a very very uh <laughs> very funny moment to me. Well, I think it also speaks to how Marcus has sort of stayed like grounded and connected to the community whereas yeah. what's her name? I care. Sasha Sasha. She's sort of, you know, distanced herself from her, I guess, not, not maybe not her roots, but just from, you know, the, you know, the, the sort of industry she's in. She's very separated from, from the diners and the servers and stuff like that. And it's maybe sort of like a wake-up call as to what she's sort of left behind. The fact that he knows everybody and they bring him free food. I'm sure he shared it 
after you yeah. made the little joke of no 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 it's just for me <laughs> well i mean i mean one of those things i've long held that one of those things that one is obliged to discover as a mark of wisdom and maturity to the extent that either could be applied in my direction you have to know a good chinese restaurant you have to have a go-to to which you can retreat on that front uh, we don't have one. We, yeah. we don't. We don't have one in Noonan, which is a little bit of a problem, I think, and probably Panda one of those Express things that we doesn't need to cut work it. On. Panda <laughs> Express does not cut it. There are lots. Of, we're we're in the weird position of being in a community with lots of good Japanese restaurants, and uh, at least one good Korean restaurant I can point to, but no good ja- uh, no good Chinese restaurant. Uh, the nearest one that I know of that used to be good was over in Fayetteville, but. Last time I went there, it was not so super terrific because they tried to go all Asian fusion and it just didn't work for them. Um, but I mean, one of the things one discovers is, you know, the hole in the wall Chinese restaurant, the one that doesn't look like it should still be there. That's the one you go oh, to. Oh, yeah. I definitely have one of those here. I think, yeah. Nate, I, it was a while ago that we had Chinese at your, at your place, but uh, it was yeah. pretty bad. I think it was the best one in the area. It was. It's awful. We don't get Chinese very much because it's just not... We don't have anything that won't give you food poisoning. I think your mom told me that she ordered brown rice there once and got soy sauce rice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What? Yeah. Yep. Oh. Just rice drenched in soy sauce. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I- imitation brown rice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, that is sort of a low-key keynote between both of the movies that we're seeing this evening, is the way that they kind of circle around food, uh, both as uh, a, a subject in this picture and kind of a collective ritual, uh, the farewell, but I imagine we'll get back to that later. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted a, to bring up food. There, there's, oh, a, yeah. there's, there's a lot of food porn in both of these, although it's a very strange sort of food porn. Uh, like, uh, like uh, I don't know, the, the, uh, the Nouvelle Cuisine that they suffer through in uh, the, uh, the, the schmancy restaurant in this one has a feeling of like some kind of bizarro kink porn. <laughs> you know, you know, like like uh, uh, like it's the food equivalent of amputee porn. I don't know. I hate to put it quite gross. that way. <laughs> um, well, there was one event where they were where, where Randall Park was ordered where it was offered lamb carpaccio with Caesar ice cream. That to me sounds awesome. I think he said like "fuck no" or something to it, or he was very rude about it. <laughs> yeah. Then the other dish good. was like something like quail egg parfait or something weird. That that one sounded kind of gross. But I, well, I would cor- totally. Cor- and they joked me, about it later too. Correct so. me if I'm wrong. Lamb is not one. Is not a food that one eats uncooked. I think you can. I don't know. I don't. I'm I mean, sure if they're they not serve very it. old. It's not like they're going to be filled with parasites. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, there's a reason that most carpaccio is beef. You know, beef is practically sterile. Uh, but uh, well, leave, leaving that. But I mean, the Caesar ice cream sounded good. When I was at Alinea, they we had ham ice cream that tasted like ham and was ice cream, and it was amazing. Oh, oh wow! So there's really cool things you can do with food. But yeah, it, it's funny how this. I, I I guess it helps to illustrate the kind of world that Sasha lives in that is sort of disconnected, and that's why she needs someone who's you know grounded like Randall or not Randall Marcus. <laughs> not you know, a, not, not a lot talking... of practical distinction there, but uh, it, it's a fair point to, to qualify. Since we're talking about the romance now, I would actually like to talk a little bit about their relationship. Um, it, yeah, I'll admit that it bothered me the way Marcus handled pretty much everything. I I understand that he was in pain after his mother died, but my God, it. <sighs> 
No, when she that called was... him a stealth asshole, she wasn't wrong. She was he wasn't even stealth. <laughs> <laughs> he was right out there. I mean for all the world to see. It was it was really and it it might have been a little bit the writing might have been a little bit skewed toward Sasha. It, it, like in other words, making her look like she never did anything wrong. Um, then that was a, to me a little unrealistic. However, well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, make no mistake. I have also long held, just both by observation of others and of myself, men are completely useless until age twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, but he was thirty something. No, no. I mean, at the beginning of the film. Uh, oh I mean, well, ab- yeah, but he absol- continued. He continued. He did not well, grow no, up that, at all. He had that Arrested Development thing well, going that, on. Well, that, that's sort of the thing and that he was trying to work over. Uh, I guess. Or, or, I guess. I'm not his, saying his arc of working over that was uh, was kind of the dramatic meat of the picture. I'm not saying I'm, it was bad. That it was a bad, you know, uh, part of it. It did feel a little bit like Sasha was the mature one when it came to you know relationships or dealing with people, and he was not. Um, you know, I, I will admit that the whole disconnect that that uh, we've been discussing um, is her issue, but still, I, well, I mean, <laughs> one one of the tropes of a lot of romantic comedies, and by a lot of romantic comedies, I mean ninety percent of romantic comedies, is whatever is going wrong in the third act of the film is something that could have been easily avoided. Um, I guess. Yes. Uh, in other words, the the third act hump, I guess, of the uh, of most romantic comedies is usually a matter of contrivance. Uh, in this case, at least, it's a contrivance that actually derives out of the characters in a way that at least feels fairly honest. Uh, I know a lot of guys like that. Realistically, some some could argue that I qualify as you know as a distinct case of arrested development in a lot of uh, in a lot of aspects myself, but. We'll we'll leave that aside uh, for for the moment. Uh, well, I'm you... gonna since we t- we're just talking about you know other uh, rom coms. Um, my favorite is Notting Hill, and this is very much like that. You've got the successful woman, uh, famous, uh, and the uh, not quite as famous guy, and they they did the speech. Anytime they do one of those big, mm-hmm. the guy does the big speech, you know, ah, yes, during a public event. I always think of Love I'm Actually when, uh, when they talk about that, because they have the kid oh, yeah? do it at the end in Love Actually. Have you seen that? I, I have, and I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not Andrew Lincoln's character, right? Because that scene was creepy with the, with the paper signs. Yeah, yeah. that... That's one of those movies that's aged rather weirdly in its own right. Uh, At the same time, it is one of the first movies that I I noticed was a romantic comedy, but it was completely a guy flick. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. Only the male characters in that movie have character arcs. Um, Which, it's been a while since I've seen it. I I pretty much adored it the first uh, few times that I saw it. I think I've seen a total of maybe three, four times. I've had it for ages, but it's been a while since I've seen it because I'm actually at this point a little cautious of revisiting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in the fear that this may be a lot more problematic now than it seemed like at the time. Okay, come Christmas we'll watch it again. Yes, that's a fair prospect. Okay, I want to. I think you were going to say something up in there, Shane. 
Oh, I was going to say, so Ali Wong, oh, Marcus and Sasha, I did feel their relationship was a little bit underwritten. Basically, you have the whole, they grew up together, and they hooked up, and then now we cut to the present, and because we know their past, we just assume they're supposed to get together, and they just need to figure it out. Um, I didn't really buy that they really like were in love with each other until she just says it, and it's like, okay. And she does turn on Keanu very quickly during the icebreaker part. Like, she turns on him basically because Keanu breaks a vase over his head? No, no. Because no, she'd been being mean to Marcus. I mean, he'd been being... He was being a douche to Marcus. And he was saying things like, you know, the little people matter. I can't remember what it yeah. was, well, I, but it was I, a I lot thought of she was stuff into, that was I, okay, humiliating I, 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 Marcus. I, I, I thought she was into it because she was, you know, irritated at him. And it just seemed like she turned on a dime and suddenly like, oh, this guy's a, this Keanu guy's a dick. Let's let's get out of here. She kept having to talk Marcus down. She's like, he, he didn't mean it. But you could tell she didn't believe that. You could You could see it. She was all like. You know, apologizing okay, I, for him over and over, and that's a red flag if you're apologizing okay. I, for somebody I, you're dating. I guess I saw it as her trying to tell Marcus to stop overreacting, and that oh. he that she thought he was being a dick. But maybe I just I, mean, I thought I just she read was trying. To, yeah, I thought she was trying to soothe his feelings. Well, so some of the time she was saying, uh, "Marcus, you know, relax. He's a celebrity." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, uh, going back to that scene a little bit, uh, just a, a little bit of a shout out uh, to uh, Vivian Bang as Jenny, uh, Marcus's oh, yeah. nominal girlfriend, who, for somebody who is ostensibly wonderful, is so unbelievably horrible. Uh, you, <laughs> you, 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 I, I was talking about uh, about. Uh, uh, Characters with enormous egos being played by actors with none. That is a ballsy performance. Uh, especially and that was for... the only food that didn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> S- somehow, Even this, the this... spam looked good, but the Vienna sausages, no. Somehow this person who seems completely nice is yet, at the same time, completely repulsive in, in every way. It's... Kind of an interesting, interesting character. Yeah. Uh, again, one of those phrases that I come back to maybe once or twice an episode, an extraordinary juggling act. Uh, but uh, ma- managed to pretty much pull it off. That's like, you know, somebody who, no matter how wonderful they are, you never, ever, ever want to meet or, God forbid, associate with in, any, in anything resembling a social setting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> marvelous performance is what I'm saying. It does exactly what it is supposed to which is shack up with a similarly horrible pasty or uh, 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 you know simulacrum of uh, of Keanu Reeves played by Keanu Reeves uh, <laughs> just to kind of push our uh, adorable protagonists together and they are freaking adorable together um, yeah so yeah, much yeah. chemistry yeah. so much chemistry so much I can absolutely, I, I, absol- I can absolutely believe that they're friends outside of, uh, outside of this. Uh, uh, I mean, Ali Wong, I have, uh, I have liked her stand up for a while. I'm glad that someone found a role that actually took advantage of uh, her, her sort of, you know, natural wit. Uh, I mean, granted, it was her and you know Randall <laughs> Park, who, uh, having known her for a while, you know, obviously knew how to write for it. But that works. It, it, it works. It is a consummately professional exercise to the point of transcending professionalism just to being a I mean even as you see the tropes it's like yeah hit me with another one hmm. it, it, it's a lovely 
lovely little picture. And it's one of those things that is sort of instantly and relentlessly watchable. Oh, yeah. Also, also a special shout out all uh, to uh, I guess James Saito playing uh, 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 playing uh, uh, oh the dad Parks, the dad playing, that's right playing the dad mm-hmm. for my single favorite line in any movie that I saw in 2020, where uh, Sasha uh, 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 says, "You look like you haven't aged a day. What's your secret?" I wa- I shower I wash my face with shampoo, <laughs> <laughs> which. Can I just mention, I'm going to, yeah. you actually took that to heart. It helps. <laughs> it helps. It, 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 so, you know, helped, grooming it tips? My, it has helped my complexion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, criminy, why not? And it worked, somewhat. <laughs> um, so, thank you. Thank you, James Saito. Thank you, Harry Kim. Thank you, the makers of uh, Always Be My Maybe, for giving me a new skincare routine. A beauty, a beauty tip. <laughs> a beauty tip that I've taken to heart. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is somewhat. Um, I. I don't. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it for following just about every possible romantic comedy trope, all the way to the grand gestures you were saying earlier. Um, it. Di- it didn't make me mad that it. That it followed all those tropes. It, it had so much, uh, so much good chemistry that it didn't matter that really what was going on in the background. It was just a vehicle to get these two acting together. Yeah, I think it was, it was clear that it was written by comedians because it's so peppered with jokes. And then the story and relationship is sort of not like bare bones, but pretty by the numbers. But it's just sort of a vehicle just to, you know, for them, two of them to be together and just fill the movie just wall to wall with jokes. It's one of those things that uh, that lives in the dialogue and the character interactions. And uh, I mean uh, most romantic comedies I mean uh, to be honest are deeply formulaic. It's what you do with the formula that uh, that puts it across. And what they did with the formula in this case is just moment after moment after accumulated moment and moment and moment of just this delightful stuff. You know, you know delightful little you know, character bits, delightful, you know, little bits of writing, you know, the, you know, joke follows joke follows joke. It's, it's just, it, it, it is a supremely agreeable way to spend a couple of hours. And, you know, we, we're talking about formulaic. It's a formula because it works. It works. <laughs> I mean. Ask a chemist. I, you know, I, I watch a lot of rom-coms. I read a lot of urban fiction. I mean, there are absolutely you know, check boxes on each one in order. <laughs> and it, it's popular because it works. Um, I can't say that that's a bad thing, that it's formulaic, because I, I don't know. I like it. I just like I, it. I mean, good God, we watch slasher movies. We know yeah. the formula. Yeah, exactly. And we know how formula can and cannot work. And in this case, the formula plays like a baby doll. Slasher yep. movies, the romantic comedies of horror. <laughs> well put. Absolutely well put. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna, I'm going to quote that. Oh good. <laughs> Excellent. I'll forget it by tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> I know. That, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> well, um does anybody have any final thoughts on always be my maybe? See it with someone you love. Yay. Or or yeah. or, or, or like. 
and hold hands because you're gonna wanna. Or it, 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 it's sweet. It's it's just a joy. It's or if it, you just it, want to laugh, it's because yeah. it's funny. Yeah, yeah it's funny you know movie. it is. It's just entertaining too. It, it feels like one of those things. I know that you know stuff just coming on on television, particularly Netflix original, is not is not really a thing at this point. But it's the sort of thing that. You know, if it just randomly turned up on a broadcast channel, I would watch it until it ended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah, and that and that's a rare class of movies. That's like you know, Wonder Boys, Devil's Advocate, uh, <laughs> Shrek Two. <laughs> that's Individual the one I would watch. Will vary. <laughs> Aliens. Time. Aliens. Oh yeah. Exactly. Well, no, that's one that we put on and then watch from beginning to end. But <laughs> that's true too. No, but it, 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 it's absolutely uh, it's absolutely worth your time. Um, and probably worth your time more than once, just because it is so wonderfully well felt and you know, and 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 just delightful from moment to moment. It's just a joy. I'll put it. Um, I think uh, I think on that we're gonna go ahead and take our break. Uh, we will be right back. Next up, we've got The Farewell, a lovely comedy drama about a simple lie and the lengths to which a family will follow through with that lie. Uh, this was on my pile, and uh, I just found it... I, I found it really funny that it was an A24 release, because this is like the nicest A24 release they've ever done. Very possibly. <laughs> now, th um, this was on my pile as well, and I had been meaning to get around to it for quite a while now, not least since I you know, adore Aquafina. Um, you know, pretty much ever since my badge dropped. Uh, <laughs> that that was uh, that was uh, my introduction, and subsequently, as far as I know, Jane's introduction, uh, because I think I foisted no, that upon watched, you pretty directly. We watched something that she was in, and was you're it? like, "Oh yeah, no, that's her her song, My Badge." Was Just it go Ocean's look it up. Eight? Go look uh, it up on the YouTube. Might have been Ocean's Eight, but like, uh, oh. it, in, in in any event, not for nothing did uh, did Aquafina get the Golden Globe for this. Uh, just yeah, uh, but I, I had been meaning to get around to it for a while, and I'm I'm glad that I finally got around to it. Yeah, I I'd seen it because I think because of the Golden Globe. I was curious because I only knew of Aquafina. I hadn't heard my badge. I just knew that she was a YouTube rapper who then ended up in Ocean's Eight, and she didn't make much of an impression there. Uh, so then when she won the Golden Globe, I was like, well, this movie is on Amazon. I have Amazon. I should check it out. So I I'd seen it when it first come out when it first come out. And uh, so this will be my this was my second viewing of the movie. Jane, how I about you? I knew nothing about it. I didn't know anything that it was out there. I just know that I like Aquafina. I will say that uh, I don't know if maybe I was only half listening, but I could have sworn that Jenner said that it was a um, comedy horror movie or something. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Uh, I, I promise I didn't say that. But uh, I don't know. If, if I, I recommend, I can understand mistaking a movie that. Uh, and then that it I said A twenty four, and I was like, okay, okay. And then kind of lent you the kind of lent you the paper on that one. And then I said <laughs> something about it, and, and and I was like, so when does it scare, get scarier? So I don't know what, but then. And actually, said we're, that, weirdly know, it's, enough, it's this... not. It's. I know it's A24, this, but it's not. This, this may actually be just something in the way that I talk about movies, because, uh, uh, Nate, you actually uh, 
with uh, with Lisa, my ex, uh, went uh, with us to go and see There Will Be Blood yeah. uh, in the theater uh, back in 2007. And about an hour into the movie, Lisa turned, uh, turned to me and said, when does it turn into a horror movie? <laughs> um, <laughs> see, I think you just say it, like, randomly. <laughs> I, I I don't. It's probably I think me, it's a but tick I'll, you don't even know. <laughs> I'll, 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 it's probably me, but Lord knows where where this comes from. She was fully expecting like monsters to emerge from oil wells or something like that. Um, I mean, the first scene of that movie is terrifying. Just the the opening the opening score and and the way it's shot. But yeah, yeah. After that, it, it, did not did not go in the. Uh, I, like I say, I I I'm. I, I I apologize if I lent anyone the paper on that one. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, we corrected it fairly. But of course, but of course, a twenty-four will do that as well. Uh, although it, I find it interesting that some of the scenes were scored like a twenty-four horror movies very often are. Yeah. Just used uh, just using that kind of scoring in a very different way. Uh, th- this is another movie with uh, a, a really really wonderful, fairly eclectic soundtrack. Yeah, well, I really it's, love it's got the all score. those weird vocalizations and stuff, and you know, the whole thing with no percussion. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love all the strings. Mm-hmm. And again, there are some distinctive visuals in this uh, that uh, gave me a little bit of a Wes Anderson vibe as well, which I I don't know is necessarily deliberate. I'm I don't know any of Lulu Wang's other movies, uh, but uh, this does show a very keen visual sensibility. It was it was an incredibly subdued palette, which I th- found really interesting. Uh, kind of, I guess, uh, uh, the visual aspect of a lie, as it were. Um, it's not just a lie. This movie is full of lies. I mean, it's yeah. about lies upon lies. Everyone's everyone's got one, or or they've got a lie in the past. They've got, I mean, even um, the grandmother Nai Nai herself has uh, has had a big lie that she was not keeping secret, but that was revealed pretty late in the movie. Yeah, and, but I, I mean, I, I'm I, just because you mentioned that, I think Nai Nai knew, and she was lying to her family. She seems pretty mm-hmm. sharp. Yeah, she might have yeah. known. She, Maybe she was. Yeah. We get the distinct feeling, particularly in the final scene, as uh, she's uh, kind of waving the family off. You know, she has the distinct feeling that this is going to be the last time that she sees them. Um, yeah, and again, it's never stated, and I, 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 I kind of love that they never really tip the hat on that one. Not least for you know that whole you know climactic scene being just a beautiful, beautiful uh, Leonard Cohen cover uh, done in in a very different way from the, from a lot of the other ones that I've heard. Um, yeah, no, the, uh, the the this is a movie in difference to the one that we spoke about in the previous half hour. This is one that we're going to talk a lot uh, talk about a lot more in sort of you know, visual, audiovisual and cinematic terms rather than sort of writing terms. Speak um, for yourself. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, make a mistake. The, the, the writing is lovely in this as well. Uh, no, the, and, the technical aspects of the filmmaking of, of this movie are just phenomenal. And I got a very uh, distinct European vibe off of a lot of the cinematography uh, it, it, in that, uh, you know, shooting so that your subject is in the lower right-hand corner um uh and you have a lot of dead space that actually kind of tells a story in and of itself um i noticed that too that, i did that kind of shot uh i i always associated with european cinema um i think so does wes anderson 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, it, it was just, it was incredibly well shot and it was absolutely gorgeous, very subdued palette. And uh, it's hard to pull that off, to pull off a subdued palette. Everybody likes high contrast and orange and blue. I like orange and blue, but yeah, no, I absolutely agree. <laughs> no, I like orange and blue too. They they're very complimentary. They're the best complimentary colors. So. <laughs> Ten times better than yellow and purple, and like a thousand times better than red and green. I would agree so, with that. Just yeah, it's... suck at other other complimentary I, colors. I, I I still have to stand for the uh, for, uh, for for the mighty three of classic Technicolor, but uh, but uh, I, I realize that that's a very very old school uh, to be uh, to be singing to here. But that no, that being said, it it, it is a a beautifully shot, beautifully modulated. Um, I always talk about uh, uh, about balancing tone. I think I did it a bit in the first uh, the first half here, but. Uh, I, I, again, as a tonal balancing act, uh, where nobody's over the to, uh, over the top, nobody, you know, fails to make the emotional beats that they need to hit. Uh, it's th- this feels like uh, like uh, uh, th- this feels very very you know deeply real. This feels you know like any number of uh, uh, of mostly functional families that uh, that I know of. Uh, and, and at the same time, all sitting around, uh, all sitting around a bunch of absolutely wonderful, wonderful-looking uh, you know, Chinese dinners. I, I yeah. want some. Of, I yeah. want some of those fried meat pies. This, mm-hmm. this movie made me so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, like this movie hit a lot of you know emotional beats. So you know, my background. So this movie takes place in China. My background is I'm half Taiwanese, half Chinese. So my dad's side is from China, but they fled to Taiwan when the communists took over. So they grew up in Taiwan. As, or my, my dad grew up in Taiwan as well. So I have a lot of family in China that I just don't know. I never don't even know who they are. Like, not like we're estranged or anything. We just don't have any ties to them. So I grew up sort of on the time. I mean, I grew up in America, but my experiences with my family overseas are all in Taiwan. So I don't know how close uh, the attitudes are between Taiwan and China. I imagine they're quite different, actually. But um, I will say, all the every family interaction in this movie was 100% spot on with every interaction I've had with family in Taiwan. The way the you the the, the way Billy is treated by her grandparents and her various aunts and uncles. Uh, the way every meal seems to be set in some sort of like banquet hall somehow. Like every <laughs> meal we have there is is either in a cavernous dining room or in like a banquet hall. Um, and the food is, I mean, that's the kind of food we eat over there. The, 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 just the lush, um, homemade food and also just the catered food is, is all amazing. So all of that was spot on accurate. And I, I believe this is based on a true, I mean, it is based on a true story because they show the real Nai at the end. Um, that being said, I don't know what, I don't know if my family would do what their family did with this whole lie thing. Um. Well, I, mean, I I love sort of the okie doke that they threw out was uh, was uh, 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 what do Chinese people do when they find out they have cancer? They die. <laughs> yeah. Which at the same time is a great joke, and when you think about it, it's like, oh well. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in America, okay, I mean that that was what what I found so interesting about it is because you know I'm white as they come. Um, I. I... <laughs> Yeah, the, the, your white. other three panelists Blonde today hair, are agonizingly wonky, I am such a, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, 
the whole idea of lying to somebody felt very, very foreign to me. However, I'm going to say that um, I did hospice care for my mother-in-law about, oh, I don't know, about 10 years ago or whatever. Anyway, and uh, you cannot do hospice care in America without telling the patient that they are indeed not going to make it and they are going into hospice care. However, my mother-in-law forgot. So we just sort of played every day as like normal, you know, just like, oh, this is what, what is right in front of us. We're not talking about the future. We're just doing what's in front of us. Uh, and then we had a relative come over, a younger relative, not not terribly young, like college age. And uh, he said something and it freaked her right out. Um, so, you know, we weren't lying, but we were omitting. So I'm not saying that it doesn't happen in America, but or it doesn't happen, you know, you know yeah no i mean i mean hoping hoping for the uh for the epistemological brush off in nine eyes case would uh would probably not work because that woman is sharp as a freaking cat (laughs) yeah i really think she knew i really think she knew i mean and and as wrong as the lie feels they rationalize it very very well like they they, they, they make a very convincing case and they do have they do say the thing where in the east they they say you know you, your life belongs to the family. I don't know if that's true of the entire East or if that's a very China thing. It's, it feels very China to me. It, it does d- have that certain collectivist ethos kind yeah. of underpinning it to I, the I, point I, where some people have suggested this movie is uh, a, a kind of about uh, the Chinese sort of absorbing the big lie of the Chinese Communist Party. But I think that's a bit more of a flex than uh, the movie kind of offers on its own. I definitely read that into. Simply because, or or maybe just because, um, you know, my family's from, even my father, yeah. we're essentially from Taiwan, and so we are not always super keen about what the Chinese think about certain things. <laughs> so I, I, so I don't I don't know if that attitude would. So I actually wanted my I've been curious as to what my parents would think of this movie. They have, I don't know if they've seen it. They probably haven't. I've wanted to to show them this movie and ask what they think about it. But uh, unfortunately, I have not had a chance to do that. I, I feel like I feel like they would understand, but maybe not agree. But mm-hmm. I can't be a hundred percent sure of that. I'll admit so. there was a lot of tension for me. I mean, just like Billy. I mean, because you know, we're American. I, I that's just not how we deal with death. I mean, we fight. We fight it hard. We don't go for the graceful exit we go for the longest possible time that we can get uh not not the the you know most quality packed and you know at the end which she was talking to billy and saying it's not really about you know where you're going in life it's it's how you get there yeah, I mean that's not exactly what they said. So. I, I mean, wor- worth noting that little bit in the uh, in, in the wedding uh, banquet scene where she was reminiscing with some of the old comrades about, well, basically what an absolute badass she was back during. Uh, during I know quote, the war. End quote. Uh, I loved that. And the guy like sort of professing his his love for her after like oh, fifty years. Was I was going to so make you my great. wife. <laughs> there was yeah. oh I mean this reminds me when I was in Taiwan with my family we walked past this just random shop in the street in, in not even near where my mom grew up just some random shop in Taipei and there's this old man like not old man but like my mother's age man in the back and she pointed at him and she said I almost married that guy wow. like just, as we were walking by the store I was like 
<laughs> Damn. Yeah. I, I, I am I am probably going to mutilate the pronunciation here because Chinese is not one of those languages that I have well, I mean, amongst other things, it's not one language, it's multiple languages, mm-hmm. but I have never picked up any of the dialects particularly effectively. But Zhao Shuzhen, um, I'm probably pronouncing that with a Japanese accent now that I think about it. But in any event, uh, as uh, as Nai Nai is just such an amazing performance, I, I, I love that they kept uh, the, the, the phrase that she kept coming back to for Billy uh, was stupid child. I love that. Yeah. But the way that it was conveyed just had this absolute searing affection built into it, uh, and, and, and you could you could tell the tone even through the linguistic gap. Uh, it's it's just a beautiful performance, and it's just an absolute fireball of a character. So I am glad that it, at least as of the making of the movie, uh, Nine Eye, uh, the real Nine Eye, was still with us out there somewhere. It's funny you mentioned the stupid child thing because I'm maybe sixty to seventy percent fluent in Mandarin. I could never pick up what she was, what her actual phrase, what the actual Chinese phrase was. She said when she said "stupid child," it was always just so lost in what in the flurry of words she was saying. I, I was curious as to what what she was actually saying. It felt like, and and I, you know, this is just me. It's just what I felt uh, was that she was saying something like innocent child. Like you just have, you don't know enough. Like silly old bear. You're not, you're not yeah. stupid. <laughs> you're just, you just are inexperienced. That's, yeah. oh, That's what it felt. It, 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 Cause it was so it, sweet. It, it, it's like, uh, it's like what I'll say, uh, or like, uh, Oh, my sweet summer oh, child. Oh, my sweet summer child. Or, 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 uh, when, when I'm at, uh, talking with the kids at work, just, just you wait, sonny Jim. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're 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 tired pretty much all the time. You're how old? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, your neck hurts. Right. Sure it does. That, yeah, that's wait. that's not gonna get better. That's, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. That, that's just gonna get worse. It's just gonna advance. <laughs> <laughs> that cracking in your back? Yeah, no, that's that's there to stay. <laughs> it's just gonna get louder. Oh. <laughs> There's there's wisdom and experience, and sometimes they cross over, but one benefits from hearing from both of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought Aquafina was amazing in this um, film. Yes, absolutely. Um, one completely makeup free and oh, yeah. just so just right there. I mean, yeah. oh, so good, so good. I mean, we've seen her in lots of other things, like Crazy Rich Asians, and she was like completely dolled up. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, it's okay, it's okay. Um, no, she does this thing, uh, this one detail that I noticed throughout the film was uh, uh, she would slouch around her parents almost like a teenager, uh, but she wouldn't slouch when she was just with Nai-Nai. And she she just had a much more relaxed body posture. Uh, oh. And I thought that was a really interesting detail to a, an excellent performance. I didn't consciously notice that, but that's great. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but now that you say it, I can I can sort of see it. I can sort of see that that body language you're talking about. Yeah. No, I I, I had not picked up on that either, but uh, now I, I, I mean, I want to see this again. Maybe not immediately because it is a lot. Uh, it, it's it, very emotional. It yeah. is very emotional, and that's not one of those things that one kind of wants to heap on oneself on a on a regular basis. But definitely, when uh, I will, I'm going to look for that on uh, on repeat viewing, which hopefully will be inevitable. 
Well, you know, when you say, well, we were talking about it's very emotional. It is, but it's not. It's very reserved. I mean, they mm -hmm. obviously are, you know, holding things in. I mean, you know, the how how just breaks down. He just he can't do it anymore. Uh, and is the wedding fake or is he really marrying Aiko? I think I, it's I, real. I don't know. That I, guy, that guy was the saddest looking man for the entire movie. Oh, I know. <laughs> like that poor guy. I, 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 I don't know if he was crying over his fake wedding or his or his nine eye. Or be or just being insanely drunk at that point. True, uh, and yeah, that, that opera singer he, was singing a beautiful, beautiful song, and it was very touching. Yeah, how so. how how is another lovely performance, and I, I can't how, I can't I can't remember a single line he had in the entire movie. I'm. At this point, I don't think he spoke. I don't think he spoke. I don't think he said anything in the entire picture. I mean, even 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 for the uh, for the wedding, it was mostly Aiko, uh, you know, giving the uh, the declaration through a translator. But he he was just kind of there. But at the same time, I just wanted to give the guy a hug through the whole damn. Movie. <laughs> Which Aquafina did. I mean, she barely yeah. knew her cousin. I mean, I guess obviously they'd met a few times, but you know, she gave him that. You know, like let him sit on her lap and she stroked his head and you know because he, he just he, had he this was overwhelmed yeah he was just a pawn in this scheme that he had no control over and just he had this deer in headlights look the entire movie up until he finally broke down at the wedding <laughs> and, and i mean that that's sort of i mean that's sort of the crux of the uh, the crux of the movie as much as anything else is that they're afraid that uh billy is going to spill the beans uh, through the whole picture, but uh, ultimately the closest anyone comes to just completely collapsing under the weight of the thing the that, knowledge. that they perceive themselves as carrying uh, on Nine-Eye's behalf uh, are the ones uh, who've been uh, in Japan the whole time. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah Billy, yeah. She, she kept it together. I mean, but that that really upset and hurt me Mostly because, again, I'm looking at it through, you know, Western eye, and, and I'm like, uh, the fact that they told her not to come. The whole family said, don't come. <laughs> You're going to mess up. You're going to you ruin wear, everything. You wear your emotions on your sleeve. Okay, so... Is that so wrong? I maybe it maybe it is. I yeah, I mean, they, they're I, just I mean, afraid I've, this, I've, you know, this brash new this brash New York girl would show up and just tell everybody what's going on immediately. I guess that's. I guess that's a valid fear. It's shitty that she, they would keep her away from her grandmother for that reason, but yeah, you know. I don't know. I mean, I, especially if she's dying. Yeah. I don't. Know, it, it it feels like a code switch. Uh, it's it, it's like that meme about um, the, that's been going around lately about uh, a a couple for, uh, who's been living in America, but they go over to England. And everybody talks about uh, how great it would be if uh, the woman met the English guy's sister. They would get on great. And uh, why can't she come? Uh, she's over in Manchester. That's less than two hours away. I mean, we, we'll, we'll drive five hours, you know, just to see an interesting sight back in America. You, you act like it's on the other side of the planet. Like, no, no, uh, that, that, that's American me. We don't do that here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But back to Billy and her. <laughs> Sorry, being that, not... that was that was a no, little bit okay. of a reach, I think. But I think no. You, I think my you see my what point I'm that I wanted to make is that uh, you know after they were all like, "Don't come, you can't come, you're gonna ruin it, you're gonna upset your grandmother, you're gonna mess the whole goodbye up." She not what all... did she do? She left the wedding and ran to the hospital to yeah, she... get 
the results, the test results, and then she helped forge them. The she, same benign shadows. Yeah, she she not only <laughs> kept that she, she not only <laughs> kept her shit together, she kept everybody else's shit together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could see she wanted to say something, but she didn't. And like I said, she she was the one that ran what three blocks, and they showed every freaking step. It was beautiful, but they showed every freaking step, and she was the one that kept her nine eye from having to either admit that she knew she was sick or, you know, actually know she was sick. And then after they forged the documents, when they really did something concrete and completely committed to the lie, then there's a shot of them just walking like gangsters. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That (laughs) slow-mo. And Billy out front, which I think was symbolic because she led that charge. She did literally charge over there to stop it. I love that uh, real Nine Eye is still alive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, although although off. although apparently she finally did find out about her illness, uh, yeah. talking with the director's younger sister, who apparently <laughs> plays herself in this movie, uh, at, upon the occasion of the release of this picture. Well, wow. <laughs> wow. I, I will I will admit because this was my second time, and I knew that Nine Eye was still alive. It did take the sting out of the whole emotional aspect of Nine Eye dying and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, she'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but apparently Nine Eye. Yeah, actu- I, I didn't have that. <laughs> apparently Nine Eye actually visited the set of the movie as well, which apparently made things really awkward because at least that point, she didn't understand her condition. Wow. <laughs> wow. Those, <laughs> those those beans got spilled later. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they knew they were making a movie about her, but didn't know what it was actually about. Apparently. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There, there, there's probably there's probably a really interesting supplementary feature, if not on the existing uh, uh, Blu-ray, then presumably on some inevitable subsequent Criterion or Arrow Academy or something like that uh, release that, of this that may yet to come. Oh, well, one scene I really liked was when they visited, I guess, the grandfather, um, and they were like, oh, that, oh, that was they, a hu- they, that, in the graveyard. Oh, yeah. That was a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, I mean, I have done, were they, were they, was that the scene where they, they burned offerings? Yes. I've, I've yes, done that, that as a kid. Um, that that which, actually, re- but that, did that, you have to open up the packaging so he could eat it? No. So I think when we did that, it was just, it was just for our general ancestors. And I think my parents took us to do that more as like a cultural thing than as an actual thing that we believe in. But I love how it ends up with them just gorging around the, the, the grave. <laughs> that, that yeah, feels very the uh, Chinese. The cigarette though. That yeah. was that was massive. Oh, yeah. he, he never he quit. quit. He told you he we- did. <laughs> he quit two <laughs> weeks before he died. He told you he did, but he did that, that that actually that actually belatedly reminded me that uh, somewhere stored in one of my you know drawers of curios upstairs, I have a few million Chinese dead yen uh, that I need to get burned when I finally get demised, uh, just on general principle, in case you know it works. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him he had to put it in the fire safe, so I would know. <laughs> I now look. I'm like eight years older than him, so I mean, odds are, I don't know. <laughs> you have. When, I think women you have better, live longer. I it's think, true. I, I think you have better genes than I do. But leaving that aside for the moment, um, <laughs> um, when uh, the uncle was explaining why the lie is, uh, uh, why they lie, why why it was important to lie, I think I think he might have sold me. A little bit. I kind of, I kind of ended up liking the idea of being lied to about a 
a, di- a disease that's going to kill you. Well, do they just expect her to just one day just peacefully drop dead? I mean, she's going to get sicker and sicker, and, and it's going to be... And then, then they would tell her. Then they would tell her, but that, that still seems fucked up. I don't, I, don't know how, I, I don't know how I feel about it, because again, again, they're very convincing. Uh, they make a really good argument for it, but I, I don't know if I would want to be lied to about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, at the risk of speechy, speaking for a cultural, that, uh, for a cultural difference that, in practical terms, I know about dick all about. <laughs> uh, I don't know, I, I, I say this as someone with a DNR order in place for mild broken bones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> now I do. A slight exaggeration, but still. Uh, yeah, no, the, uh, uh, the attitudes toward death between the two, diff- uh, between the two cultures, I, I think, inherently are going to be very different but sort of mirrored in the psychologies of the individuals who derive from those cultures themselves which again is sort of the juggling act of the movie is taking you know billy's western sensibilities and transposing them into a point where she's sort of translating the eastern sensibility into something that she can work with ethically and practically that that that's kind of the uh, sort sort of finding her own balance in the situation is kind of the um, the emotional center of the movie from a philosophical standpoint. No, that's well, I'm, I'm reaching. I'm reaching you know here. I, I apologize I'm gonna, for that. I'm going to actually point out. You know, it was like maybe thirty within thirty minutes of How How's breakdown at the wedding, and he because he was still crying a little bit during the photo that Billy was like holy shit I have to go and get that medical report and stop it so I don't know I mean I guess what, she saw, what, what, did she see uh, did she see how how freaking out and going oh I can't I can't let that happen again well I, I mean was there or, also a degree of like well we've already taken it this far we can't I, it's, I'll agree there's that a, there's too. An as- I can't tell there's an aspect of committing to the bit <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think we can all agree is going to be central in basically any culture. Uh, but uh, um, like if no, a breakdown I, like that had happened earlier in the movie, I don't think she would have done that. I think she would have been like, "Let's just tell her. Let's just get this over with." Yeah, mm-hmm. no, but that, at that point, she was in about uh, about as deep as anybody else. I I mean, one of the uh, uh, one of the things that I kind of loved about this movie is the degree to which, aside from the central part of the movie the lie itself almost everything else is varying degrees of understated or unstated like we don't even know what the fellowship that billy would have gotten would have been for until she just rails that damn piano and i i don't think that that was aquafina playing it but whoever was playing it that was amazing uh that was uh as as just a music buff that was uh, 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 that uh, that moment just had me completely riveted if anything i went to, uh, i wanted it to go on longer mm. but uh, i i think sort of the low key i mean aside from the actual incident of the movie aside from what happens in it a lot of it is kind of this character who doesn't really know what to do with herself figuring out that she's steely enough to do whatever she wants with herself that's kind of the point that I took from, you know, the final uh, 
or, or, or the climactic shot of the movie where she's just going down the street in New York. She's back in New York and just has that, ha! You know, the cleansing lesson that she had uh, picked up from, uh, from her grandmother. Um, it... And I thought her grandmother had died because the birds flew out of the tree and I was having a Forrest Gump moment. I mean, in a very broad sense and in a sense that isn't particularly practical from a standpoint of film criticism, it is a film about varying states of being all right. Yeah. And we we could kind of use more movies like that, uh, yeah. I, I, I think. Um, you know, some, something that that kind of, kind of speaks to you but remind you that fundamentally, you know, things can be okay. Um <laughs> It, it it it. I mean, especially consider I I did not see, um, Nai still being with us at the at the end of the movie. This movie has a happy ending. Yeah. It does. Yeah. How freaking rare is that for this kind of picture? Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, I mean, wh- t- I mean, just talk about movies that we've gone over on this show. Fucking Steel Magnolias. <laughs> Nothing is okay in that movie. Nothing is okay. I mean, I mean maybe Weezer. I mean, there's like a funny freaking, <laughs> freaking, you know, race to the hospital scene at the end, and it and it's funny, but Jesus, what a mess! <laughs> um, but you know, this is a movie where fundamentally, in spite of all probability, everything is all right. Uh, and they proved it. And how freaking rare is that? And 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 and, and how much do we kind of? that once in a while you know oh yeah yeah i definitely agree um does anybody have any final thoughts they want to share that they haven't gotten a chance to share yet on the farewell kind of want to kind of want to go back and find the episode of this american life uh that uh, was sort of mm. the dry run ones, but uh no just just a beautiful unexpectedly uh, the thing w- that I w- that I was afraid about uh, of this movie was that it was going to be dry, and it is anything but dry. It uh, uh, I, I I got a little bit of a uh, bit drowsy yesterday uh, during one of the banquet scenes last night because it had been a long day. But you know, fundamentally, it 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 feels like something that could be a chore to watch. It feels like it should be a prestige picture, but no, it is a wonderful entertainment. And um, just nuanced, all the, all just yeah, crazy and, and nuanced. From what I can tell, it's a fairly accurate portrayal of at least certain aspects of that culture that some viewers might not be that familiar with. So I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's a, know, lov- that, it's a lovely for other things. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us here on What's on the Pile. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile, or you can visit our website, whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out. Turns out they're more closely related to uh, cacti than, uh, you know, the earth primates, but... Deep in the forgotten corners of our galaxy, a mighty space hulk blazes through the stars. Its crew, a motley gang of misfits who are just out for a good time. He's sparking for fuck's sake. They have harnessed the mysterious fuel called Nostalgia. And we're off, alright. By remembering the cartoons of their youth. Now, standing in their way, the evil Emperor Zorbak. Stand down, Emperor. 
who just wants to shut their screw down and conquer every planet along the way. Thankfully, their ship holds a weapon with enough firepower to restore the balance. Yes, you neglected the anime space cannon. They are the bastards of the universe. I think you know damn well who we are. Thursdays at 8. Let's cast this pod. Only on Twitch.